open, outspoken, it's ophthalmology off the grid, an honest look at controversial topics in the field. I'm Blake Williamson. I'm Gary Wirtz. Hello, and thank you for listening to Ophthalmology Off the Grid. In this episode, Dr. Kathleen McCabe sits down with Drs. Blake Williamson and Gary Wirtz to share her experiences moving across the country from an existing practice and referral network and starting in a new state. Thanks for listening. Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in ophthalmology. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Welcome to the episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. We are your host, Gary Wirtz, and this is Blake Williamson. Gary, how was uh, AAO for you? Uh, AAO was a blur. Uh, San Francisco, uh, you know, was amazing. We got to see, you know, a lot of our friends got to, you know, meet with a lot of folks in industry and, you know, it's always a good time when we get to get together. How was it for you? It was cool. I think that for me, um, I'm starting to notice my age a little bit because I was always the youngest person in the room. Right. And then now I'm seeing some folks that are five, six years younger. Like I remember like meeting them at like, you know, young MD type meetings, like five, six years ago, they were still in med school and they're like at the podium. They're like doing the booth talks and stuff. And I'm kind of like, man. So it's kind of one of those eye-opening things for me uh, and was really relieved. I was like, this is great. This means I can do less of this. And then these guys and gals can do more of it and do a better job, by the way. So it was fun, but I was in and out super quick. Um, but, you know, we got a chance to talk to a lot of people. Um, a lot of people uh, in line with our theme this this season of building your business. That was kind of like all my questions on the floor. We're, we're talking to people about their side hustles or, or things that they're inventing or companies they're investing in or restaurants they're investing in. And so I'm excited about today's episode. Yeah, well, today we have one of my favorite people in ophthalmology that we get to talk to, which is Dr. Kathleen McCabe. Uh, Kathy, you have been such a bright spot for me personally. Um you know, we have a lot of friends and mentors and colleagues that we look up to, uh, but I don't think there's anyone I, I, that I enjoy being around more just because of your warmth, um, but also just the way that you sincerely care for your colleagues and your patients. And so this season would not be complete if we didn't include you to talk to us about how you have carved your niche out in ophthalmology and what that looked like. And, I, you know, we're going to talk about you know, your career transition, those sorts of things. But for those out there who may not be as familiar with your practice and your history, just give us a little bit, uh, a blurb about where you're at down in South Florida and what you're doing down there. All right. Well, I can't tell you how excited I am to be part of this. I mean, talk about favorite people. We have Gary Wards and Blake Williamson, two of the people that I just love to death. Gary, you know, I always call you. What do I call you? You're my, he says you're my, yeah, I'm your hero. Uh, yes. You're my hero. It's <laughs> yes. so true. Anybody who knows Gary knows he's not just my hero. He's many people's heroes. So yeah, Gary's oh, just kind. great, great guy. And Blake, I remember seeing you coming up to the podium as the young hotshot guy, all energetic and doing just an amazing job as you still do, as you refine your your presentation skills. But even early, right out of the gate, you were just so good at 
all of your Southern analogies. And I just love, love listening to you. You take everything to a new level that makes it really easy to understand. I'm sure your patients just love that as well. Kathy, so real super- quick, Kathy, have we ever seen anyone come out of the gate better than Blake Williamson from Dayton? I don't think so. I don't <laughs> think so. I think it was like, oh my gosh, what are we doing up here? We I got know. Blake. Let's just let him do the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yes. I'm gonna hop. I'm gonna hop off the podcast now. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. What we're saying is we can hop off because you right. made exactly. the job. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, Kathy, give us a little blurb though. Tell us. Tell. Tell about your practice, where you're at, what you're doing, those sorts of things. Yep. So, so, so happy to be here, but I am cataract refractive surgeon and somehow honorary glaucoma MIG specialist uh, on the West coast of Florida in Sarasota. And I've been there for, let's see, 13 years now. And prior to that, I was in Indiana, good old Midwest for 10 years. Uh, also doing the same thing, character refractive, just a lot more refractive in the Midwest since my population was a lot younger. And now I'm just, you know, old folks area. So, which is great for a cataract surgeon. So I love where I am, but uh, I have a big practice. It's a multi-specialty practice. And we did partner with private equity five and a half years ago. And I've been the CMO of iHealth America since then, uh, along with lots of other involvement and all kinds of exciting things because that's one of the great things about being an ophthalmologist is that we get to pursue all kinds of things, not just uh, patient care, but sustainability, research, helping the world be better, all kinds of fun things. That's awesome. So Kathy, you know, we are talking about, like I said, building your business and your brand. And I think one thing I'd love to hear your story about is your transition. So you, you were in the Midwest, you're in Indiana, uh, you said, and you had a thriving practice. And then you decided at some point that you were going to, you know, set sail for, for, for Florida. What can you just walk us through that? And, and was there a lot of, I assume you had a lot to gain, but also maybe a lot to lose. You had a lot on the line at that point. Um, I'm probably in a similar career point. I've been out for 15 years and the idea of switching practices and, you know, that's a little bit daunting. Can you just walk us through what your thinking was there and maybe how that transition has been? I think we can all learn a little bit from that. Yeah. So first I want to say that, you know, everybody's journey is different, right? So my, I started undergrad was marine biology, never thought of going into medicine. I know a lot of people don't start out that way necessarily. And I actually went to graduate school for a little bit too in zoology. And it wasn't until then that I decided I wanted to switch ships uh, midway already and go to medicine at that point. And I worked in a basic science lab for a little bit in the Midwest I'm from the Northeast. My husband and I met in Florida, both studying marine biology, but he's from the Midwest. And so by the time we were thinking about medicine, we already had a child. And so we moved to the Midwest to be closer to family. And uh, when I decided to do ophthalmology, I ended up in Miami at Baskin Palmer with a big focus on retina. Actually, I did lots of retinal research. I was retina all the way. My mentors were retina, it was Harry Flynn and Tim Murray, and I was going to stay there for a retina fellowship as well. And it was only during that last year when I was thinking about what am I going to do day in, day out, every every day, and, and giving up cataract surgery that I really loved, that I finally made the switch and said, you know what, I'm actually not going to do retina, I'm going to do 
um, cataract and refractive surgery. So that was kind of a late thought in my, my journey up till then. My brother is an optometrist and I actually had the opportunity to go to Indiana to work with him in a very surgically heavy practice. It was a referral practice basically. And so my thought was, you know, let me go get a lot of surgical experience in cataract and refractive and stay in the Midwest, maybe a couple of years and with this high surgical volume, and then I'll go off and do something closer to the ocean where my true heart is in marine biology. But as you both may know, because I know you both have families, uh, sometimes it's not so easy to move your family as they start to get, you know, involved in a community. So 10 years later, <laughs> we finally were making that, that change. So to us, to me, when I think about that journey, I think, you know, I really had planned not to get so built up in my practice uh, before I made the transition. And it was really for family considerations that I had built this really strong reputation and practice and referral network in Indiana before I left. So that made it harder. It's true when you're at the part of your career where now it's sort of smooth sailing. You're not meeting all the new people, everybody in the, you know, you start to have so many patients who say, well, you did my, my neighbor, my husband, my, you know, friend, that's why I'm going to see you. Things get easier at that point. And that's kind of where I was when I said, you know what, wait a minute, <laughs> we never meant to stay so far away from the ocean for so long. So all along, we were sort of thinking about location, location, location. Where is it that we want to be um, for the long term? And uh, that's how we ended up back in Florida. And Kathy, with that first that first practice that was, you know, you're, in, you're in there with family. What were like the dynamics of that? What, what was the ownership dynamics? Did you have to sell your shares of the practice to make a switch? Or was that part of it? Or walk, walk us through that. Yeah, so my my brother was one of the founding members, and they ended up being a giant practice in the end. And they they recently sold to private equity as well. But yes, I did have some ownership that I sold back. Um, and you, you better than anybody, Blake, knows that there's a lot of emotion that goes into being in practice with your family, and and to breaking that relationship, business relationship. Uh, it's tough. So it was a little tough, really, even on our relationship a little bit. I think, you know, clearly my brother thought I was going to stay there forever and ever. And, and I never thought I was going to stay there forever and ever. So <laughs> there was a, you know, there was a point where we had to just say, look, this is, this is the right thing for us. And we are very close. Uh, and so we, we definitely have gotten by that, <laughs> but, uh, but it was tough. It's, it, it adds a new layer uh, in the whole decision-making that makes it very tough to make that change. And what were you looking for? Like with your, I mean, gosh, if you're 10 years in, you were in a super high volume, very OD friendly, you know, referral environment. Um, did you want that exact same thing, but in Florida, or did you say, hey, I want to go start a small boutique practice and build it? Or do I, do I want to go join, you know, a multi-specialty group and, and kind of work my way up the ladder kind of did you, did you have a wish list about type of practice or is it more about geography and destination? And you obviously you're going to succeed any of those places. So, yeah, I mean, a large part of it was geography because that's not exactly why I went to the first place. Right. Uh, wasn't geography for sure. Not that I don't appreciate many wonderful things about the Midwest. <laughs> there is but, no ocean um, in Indiana for those. There's no ocean. There's no around ocean. the world. <laughs> so true. No ocean in Indiana. 
So, um, so location was a big deal, but I wanted, you know, there was, I didn't want to come in as anything but a partner. And I wanted to be sure that I wasn't taking a, an enormous hit on volume because I loved surgery and I loved doing a lot of surgery and that there was an attitude for growth. Um, you know, when it came to thinking about starting my own practice, I, you know, I'm the primary breadwinner in my family. I have lots of kids uh, and we had a lot of financial responsibilities as well. So I was a little bit less comfortable with the financial risk of starting from nothing. So although I admire everybody who does that, and I think it's an amazing thing to do, it wasn't really on my list as something I felt comfortable with in the financial responsibility part of it. So the practice I joined was great because there was, I joined immediately as a partner. I, we had an agreement with the founding uh, partner that he was going to leave at a very predictable amount of time. And there was a lot of volume in a very, you know, cataract heavy, you know, patient heavy, surgically uh, focused area of, of the country. Gary, Gary, I think I think that people will start their own practice just because because they don't have that scenario. I mean, that's Gary, that's like a dream scenario. I mean, you don't get to start to do that. I mean, if you're Kathy McCabe, you can sort of like, you know, drop your own terms and tell people like how it's going to be, you know, like like you and I would have a little bit harder time with that, I think. Uh, All right. Wait, Um, let me just tell you guys (laughs) just to make this realistic. Okay, I I looked at a lot of practices in the 10 years, like pretty much starting out probably like three or four years into it. Okay. I, I looked you were, at you were many, thinking about many practices over the years, kissed a lot of frogs, <laughs> you know, you, found the right, you waited for the right time in the right place. It sounds like. Exactly. Yeah. I so I, I was just not rushing it and, and also waiting for the right time dynamically for my, for my family. One thing though, I, I mean, I, I just, you know, I think about the, the concept of inertia you know, objects in motion tend to stay in motion. Objects at rest tend to stay at rest unless op- acted on by an outside force, right? In business, when you have the inertia of the referrals, the patients, the surgery center, the flow, the machine, like there's so many things that are disrupted when you when you leave somewhere. Was there a voice in the back of your head? Because maybe I'm just neurotic and it would be, this is how I, this is how it would go in my head. In my head, it would be like, I've got a really good thing going here. I'm probably like pretty lucky to be is, is to have a modicum of success. Just don't screw it up. Like a lot of my life, I'm just thinking like, you know, like I'm pretty lucky and there's a good chance that maybe I'm at the North pole right now. And any direct, any step I take is going to be South. Yeah. You know, I'm like, the pinnacle and right, I'm like, stepping off the cliff. The, the problem is I think a lot of times people don't realize when they have it so good. And I'm not, I, this is a larger conversation actually that ties into something Blake and I were talking to last, talking about last weekend is sometimes people move for the right reasons. And I think in your situation, you would always had in your mind that there's going to be a transition that comes. We're going to wait and be strategic and find the right spot and the right place. And, and and it's obviously worked out for you probably because you were so intentional about all the things that had to line up. And when those stars aligned, you made the, you made the switch, but Blake, I want to ask you, you know, we've talked about this. We see sometimes people leaving for the wrong reasons. And, And what do you think that's about? What do you think what is when you when you do the analysis of should I stay or should I go? 
where do people mess up on that? You think, Blake? I, I think I think the, the one of the simplest ways to look at this is if you're making a big change like that, you need to simply ask yourself, what problem are you trying to solve? And if you can clearly answer that, oh, uh, I have a crazy person who is supposed to be my partner, and now they've gaslighted me, and and I'm they I, I can't operate anymore, or, or you know, or you know, my wife is really, really, really homesick, and and we have two small kiddos, and gosh, her mom and dad and our family are we live they live in Phoenix, and I'm over here in Miami. You know, what problem are you solving? If if you're that person that says, you know. I'm just not a hundred percent happy. I'm like 82% happy and I'm busy and I'm making a lot of money more than like 90% ophthalmologists. But I, I just kind of would like to have absolute power and totally do my own thing and never be second guessed. It's kind of like, man, that's going to be hard to find unless you can find a practice like Kathy's. Mm. Right. Well, so here again, I want to bring us back to reality, right? Because I think it's, it's sort of like that perfect marriage from the outside, Right. You think, look at them. They have rainbows and roses. They never fight. He's always courteous and kind. He buys her flowers once a week. They go on dates. They always look like, okay, let's say either of the two of you, right? It looks like from the like outside. Blake and Nicole or Gary and Mary, right? You Lots have of never had a crossword. You've never misunderstood each other. You always see eye to eye, right? Isn't that right, true? Of course, of course. Yes. So, but the reality is, I think the first thing you have to consider is maybe all marriage, maybe the best marriage is 82% happy, right? right? Right. And that you're just, it's like when we try to find the perfect IOL for a patient, every single one is a compromise, right? There's the perfect one for the patient, but it doesn't mean there isn't a compromise. And so the practice that you say you're in a practice where you're an employee and you feel like you don't have any power and you don't get to be involved in creating the business or the business side of things. And gosh, if they just had me involved in that, or if I had more power and autonomy, wouldn't that be great? I'd make all the decisions. We'd only have all the things I like. My schedule would be exactly the way I want it every day. You know, every employee would love me. Um, but then you go into practice for yourself and you realize that that means, well, you're the only one bringing money in. And so you don't get the flexibility of not working as much because nobody's picking up the slack and you have to worry about, you know, employees and how much you're going to pay them. And if they leave and all the bazillion other things that happen when you're in private practice by yourself, that you didn't see the ugly part of it when you were just looking at the grass being so much greener. And it was better than the 82% happy that you were where you were at the time. Right. And that, that gets into the category of unknown unknowns, you know, and it, the, the problem a lot of times in making any sort of decision in life is that there's the things, you know, that, that you, that, that, you know, and there's the things that, you know, that you don't know, but then there's that third category of unknown unknowns. And anytime you make a big transition, get ready because there's going to be some things that happen that you have not anticipated and you, like you said, the grass may not be greener. You may pretty quickly realize you had a good thing that you just didn't fully appreciate until you, until you left. But it's um, every choice you make. You just can't know. You just can't know. You just, I think Blake's advice was very, really wise, you know, know your why for anything you're doing, know your why. And at least that can pull you through the hard times too. Absolutely. When you, when you did move down, what was the transition like? How did the transition go? I mean, obviously you've been from the outside you know, looking in extremely successful and it's been, I'm sure a, a great move. You're down near the ocean. How's that been though? How was the transition? 
Well, I have to say, I totally love where I live. You know, that in location, location, location absolutely was the right location for me. I couldn't be happier, really. Uh, I get to be in the ocean every day if I want to. And, um, and it's been great having a practice of, you know, multiple surgeons that we can collaborate together. Um, there's always pluses and minuses, and we could go into all the pluses and minuses of different business models too. And, you know, PE has its pluses and minuses and there's, there's a compromise no matter what we do. But I, I think the transition ended up being pretty easy. Um, there was actually a couple of ophthalmologists, uh, surgeons, cataract surgeons who left the practice right about the time I came into the practice. So there's sort of built-in volume to begin with. And I had a lot of support and a lot of, you know, um, introduction to the community that was very positive. We had a whole marketing, very experienced uh, department that, that was very helpful with that. And uh, it was an adventure. It was fun. It was, it was actually not very difficult to tell you the truth. Cause I was I got the why immediately, you know, here I was uh, able to get on the water, able to swim in the pool in the winter because I was coming from Wisconsin uh, or Indiana, I should say. And, you know, nothing was cold down here. Now you don't find any Floridians in the pool in the winter because it's too cold. But <laughs> at the time I hadn't acclimatized yet. So, um, so yeah, I, I think it was easier in many ways than I thought. Then there's the, the aspect of it, though, that since I was the main surgeon before, now there's lots of surgeons. So we have to make decisions more collaboratively than before. I can't just say this is the way it is and it's the only way it is. We had to, you know, we have to work together. But that's that's also a skill that you learn along the way. Um, and that's an adventure. I don't know. I, I pretty much always look at new experiences like a learning experience and an adventure. And so since if you go into it with that attitude, I think it makes all the challenges a little bit easier. So Kathy, give us a snapshot of like the, the dynamics of when you started, like how many surgeons were operating and how many locations versus like right before y'all moved to the, the PE model, you know, what was that? How, how what, I'm guessing you guys grew and, and, and how did you grow? What is, what advice do you have for people who, want to add surgeons or add doctors or optometrists and want to open up other locations, kind of what was your process of thinking through that? So we had, you know, two different timeframes. We, we had the timeframe when I joined and then we were adding new uh, practitioners and, and a few new locations from uh, our own solo, you know, our unique practice, the eye associates. Um, and then what happens after you partner with PE and you're adding on at a much greater rate, uh, you're partnering with more individual practices and larger groups as well. And geographically, they're more disparate as well. So those are kind of two different environments. Your resources are different. So when you're in your own practice owned by the physicians, every choice you make, you know, is also backed by personal guarantees. And so it's a lot more personal financial decision that way because, you know, personal guarantees are a big deal. It, uh, it you're feels, on the hook for the decision. Yes, you're on the hook and you're, you know, you're feeling it uh, in a much more intimate way than you do when it's a larger group and it's the PE group that's making that decision. So 
but at the flip side of that is you may decide as a group that you just want to offer better technology. And as a group, you want to use instruments that work better for you or work better for the patient, but aren't necessarily something that's bringing on a new service line or a new stream of revenue. And you can more freely make those decisions when you're your own practice funding yourself than when you have some financial partner who's looking at the financial aspect of those types of expenditures. So, you know, I mean, there's pluses and minuses and compromises again. You get the relief of, of the, you know, no personal guarantees necessarily, but, but you have to be a little more judicious on the financial impact of those choices that you make. Yeah, Kathy, one thing we've been asking all of our guests this year is a series of, of questions, and I'd love to get your take on it. Um, one is, what do you think, what decision did you make? You can take this either way, either a good decision that you said really set you up for success, or maybe something that you made a mistake and you learned from that has guided further decisions in your life. Or maybe even a lesson that maybe you learned early on that has, has carried on. You know, I'm going to say that the things, you know, as I get older, you know, you guys maybe realize this, you're maybe a little too young yet so far, but um, you start looking at things and thinking it's you're, it's never the risk you took or very rarely it's the risk you took to do something that spoke to you or was a dream or a vision that you had and failed. You very rarely regret those. The bigger regrets are the things that you dreamed or thought about doing that for whatever reason, you were just a little bit too risk averse to do those things. Uh, and so at least for me, as I reflect back, those are the kinds of things I think, you know, there was this instance where I thought maybe I should do this thing and I didn't do it. I didn't take the chance. Like and retina, I, like retina, thank God. Thank God well, there's something to thank God, right? <laughs> That is true. Um, yeah, and the timing would have been so weird because it was 2000. And so it was right before injections became such a huge thing. Like that was not on my radar. But now that I, it came right after that. And when it came, I was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, that is not what I wanted to be doing all day long. So dodged a bullet is how I feel about it. Although I love my retina colleagues and their dedication to the profession. Uh, I'm still very, very happy with what happened. But you know, I, I still think that, that if you feel passionately about something, it really speaks to you and you're just worried about, especially early in your career, am I gonna succeed or fail? Should I do it or not? Very few of those decisions are like unrecoverable. You know, take, a, take risk, take some risk, especially early in your career when the consequences to those around you are not so great. So I, I, I applaud people who, early in their career, just kind of go for it. I, I think that's the time to do it. And, you know, just if you fail a couple of times, that's okay too. You can always, you know, use your skills to pick yourself yeah. back up again. I'm a, I'm a testament to that. You know, I, I had some, I had a rough start for those who don't know, you know, I had a, I had kind of a failure to launch the first couple of years in my practice, but you know, those things, you learn a lot and you learn actually to appreciate things when they're better because you've actually been there when it wasn't so good. So I think even in the, you know, quote unquote failures or things that don't work out as well as you had hoped, it does provide a lesson that provides a measuring stick for the rest of your life to think, Oh, you know, I, I it used to be a lot worse. Things aren't so bad right now. Maybe I shouldn't be so unhappy or whatever. When you 
join a practice or you in any way make a merger or partnership with somebody, that is the time to really look at the details, to really, really, you know, decide what are the things that are super important for you that are kind of no compromise decisions. Maybe it's that you have research that you're able to do. You know, maybe it's a certain amount of time you can take off, whatever it is, or you get to do a mission or, you know, whatever thing is like, this is the most important three core things that I need. Don't think, you know, let me prove my worth. And then later I'll ask for these things that are fundamental to me. Do get that down first, you know, protect those areas that are essential to your well-being and happiness in the future. And then you can, you know, find the things that are more negotiable after that. I love it. Yeah. And do your due diligence too. You know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, make sure I, I love how you, you, you looked at a lot of practices and got to really, really know them. Kiss a few frogs. Like you said, I mean, there's practices that I'm looking at acquiring and I've recently the past six months have gone down and spent time and looked at what those practices actually are and who the people would be. And some of them like, Oh gosh, would be great to get these people. And then others I'm like, Oh man, this would just, I would not work out culturally at all. Even though it looks great on paper, and on the internet, you just got to go live in it and feel it, the vibe a little bit and see if it you know, responds to all your core values. Well, and to, to that point too, you can't always tell in advance. If you can, if you can immerse yourself and you find those things out, great. But if you really find out that even after you're married, that there's something fundamentally different than what you thought you were getting into, you know, get an annulment quick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. Cut the, cut, the, cut the branch and move on and, you know, do the hard work uh, early on and figure that out. Well, Kathy, we're, we're right up against our time. I feel like we could talk to you for hours and not even scratch the surface of, of the lessons you'd have to provide for us. Um, and I want to thank you again for taking time for us. It's always a joy. You know that I you know, love spending time with you and, and your husband and uh, maybe I'll see you soon in Sarasota. How's that sound? That sounds perfect. I can't wait to see you guys. Blake, are you going to be there too? Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, fabulous. I, I cannot wait. Thank you guys so much for inviting me. This was so, so much fun. All right. Until next time, this has been Ophthalmology Off the Grid with Gary Wirtz and Blake Williamson. See you later. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. And thank you to our guest, Dr. Kathleen McCabe, for sharing her experiences with us. Until next time.